going to grab your Bibles tonight. Let's start off in Hebrews chapter number 1. Hebrews chapter number 1. Tonight we're going to be continuing our study on angels. We've been going over exactly what angels do. Last week we went over communication angels. We looked at how they communicate, yes, from God to man, oftentimes in the Bible, but we also saw how they seem to report back to God from man. We, we talked a little bit about that last week. And this week we're going to be looking at another mission of angels, another aspect of an angel's mission. In Hebrews chapter number 1, let's start in verse number 10. Hebrews 1.10 And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. And they all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits? You see that? He was talking about angels in verse 13, but to which of the angels said he at any time? Verse 14, Are they not all ministering spirits? sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Let's pray. Amen. Amen. So one of the many jobs of an angel is that of, a, a, of ministering to God's people. Okay, so we, last, last week we looked at, at how angels are messengers. So first and foremost, they are messengers. And I also mentioned communication there, so they're communicators. That was last week. Right now we're going to be looking at them as ministers. Okay, angels are ministers. They're ministering spirits, the Bible says. Uh, if you want to see for that, I'll put comforters. They're comforters. Okay, I couldn't decide on M's or C's, so I, I'll give you both. So, here, notice here, though, in verse 14, it says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Okay, You're going to, you want to notice as we go through the study tonight that the Bible never says that God sends angels to minister to those who hate God. God sends out angels to minister to those that are on God's side, in obedience to God or under God's protection. We talked a little bit about the children uh, last time, talking a little, little bit about guardian angels. That's kind of where this, this falls into place here. But God, God will send out angels as he sees fit to those that he wants to minister, minister to. And he ministers to them in a, a couple different ways. But God can and will and does send angels to minister to those who love God and that are in obedience to Him. Notice we saw that there, to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. That's God's people. All right? Angels can minister to people in several different ways. One of the ways tonight we're going to look at here that they, that they minister. One of the ways they minister is by way of protection. Okay. Sometimes God puts angels and sends angels to his people for protection. 
And we're going to see that. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 91. Psalm chapter 91. We won't be back in Hebrew, but we're going to be in Psalms a lot, so you want to have a, a marker here in Psalm chapter 91. I'm talking about angels of protection here. That's going to be uh, guardian angels. You, you've heard this kind of falls into that category. If you want to call them guardian angels, you can. I've got no problem with that. But you'll see God's, oh, there's several passages here we're going to look at, four or five at least, that, that state that God sends angels to protect certain people. And you'll notice in these, often written in the context, is that it's people that are in obedience to God. Psalm chapter 91, let's, excuse me, let's start in verse number 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So we're already talking about people, somebody that's listening to God, somebody that's under his protection, okay, under the shadow of Almighty. He that, that dwelleth in the secret places of the Most High, he's close to God. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Okay, deliverance is promised there. Verse 4, he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. More protection. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. So God's providing all sorts of protection here. It says from the arrow, from the pestilence, from the destruction. Verse 7, A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand. But it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. So he's not going to take part in what happens to the wicked, but he's, only, he's going to observe it. Right? Verse 9, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. Okay, he's, he's, he's making a habitation with the Lord. He's, he's close to God. Verse 10. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. You see that? God sending out angels. Now notice, I, di I didn't read verse 12. Verse 12 is a prophetic reference to Jesus Christ. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. That's a verse that the devil tried to use against Jesus Christ to get him to jump off uh, the pinnacle of the temple there and everything. So the devil tried to use that against the Lord. But this chapter, it does contain promises, Psalm chapter 91, does contain promises to those who abide under the shadow of the Almighty, in verse 1. Those that make the Lord thy habitation, verse 9. There's application that we can make here. There's, there's personal application we can make. And so I believe here, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. That can apply to us. And don't just take this passage... Uh, uh, by my, by my words here, but look at uh, Psalm chapter 34. Psalm chapter 34. We'll see more evidence here about how we, we can be, and I believe often are, given supernatural protection by angels. Psalm chapter 34, verse number 7. 
Let's see something else the Bible says here. Psalm 34, verse 7. The Bible says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. So who's the angel of the Lord around? He's around the people that fear God. And that angel of the Lord delivers them. And it says the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them. So he's setting up camp. He's hanging around these people that fear God. That's a good reason to fear God. There's, there's plenty of good reasons. But the Bible says the angel of the Lord is said to be around those that fear God. What are they being protected from? What are these people that fear God? What, what does that protection look like? Well, let's look at verse 4 in chapter 34. 34, 4. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him, and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. Okay, so we, we get some protection. Sometimes that comes in way of protection from your fears. Verse 4, sometimes that's protection from all your troubles. Verse 6, see the Lord, how's the Lord providing this protection? By angels. He, he's sending these angels under his uh, whim, under his direction. Don't say that, well, I'm saved. I've got an angel with me all the time. You might. <laughs> you might. He doesn't promise an angel by your side all the time while you're doing all these dumb things and living like the world. Okay, It all has to do with those that are in obedience to God, and it's when God decides to send them out. I believe sometimes if God wants you to go through a hard time for purposes known only to him, he'll call back those angels and say, nope, he needs to go through this. You know, let, let, him, let him go. Okay, And then send them back and, and minister in different ways that we're going to go to. Look at uh, Psalm chapter 35. Let's look how angels treat those who go after God's people. So we're, we're getting some protection. We're promised some protection here from, from different things. Some of those are, are from people. But look how angels treat those that go after God's people. Psalm chapter 35, starting in verse 1. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. That's a, that's a nice prayer. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. So David's, David's praying and asking God to, to get after his enemies, the, the ones that are trying to persecute him. He's asking God to persecute them. And he also says, say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. He's asking for some comfort here. Verse 4, let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. Let them be as chaff before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. David is praying that God will send an angel to persecute his tormentors. You say, is that a bad prayer to pray? <laughs> I don't see a problem with it. You pray in the... I'm glad we had the Holy Ghost as being an interpreter for us. So if we pray something we're not supposed to pray, he'll sit there and change it there at the end, and it'll get all straightened out. I'm glad we, glad we have that. But when speaking of how God continually protects Israel in the Old Testament, the Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 63. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 63. 
I just want to give you plenty of these references here. and we're, we're seeing what these angels do. How do, they, how do they protect God's people? How do they persecute those that are against God? We looked a little bit at that. But how, how, does, how does God use these angels to protect his people? Well, Isaiah chapter 63, in verse number 8. Isaiah 63, 8. Now this is, this is talking about Israel, but it's history of how he did it. Isaiah 63, 8 says, For he said, Surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their Savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bare them and carried them all the days of old. You know, it's interesting. We read some of those about the angel of the Lord, specifically called the angel of the Lord. And we found out in other studies that oftentimes in the Old Testament, when that title is used, the angel of the Lord, that is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. And we, we've seen that in previous studies. Not every time is it, but I, I believe there's a great majority. I know every time it's capitalized it is. But this is something that, that God says that he used angels, the angel of his presence, saved them, saved Israel, helping Israel out in the Old Testament. When? And it said he bare them and carried them all the days of old. Israel always had angels around about them. God always has his eyes on Israel. He always watched over them. They're the apple of his eye. Uh, they, they're, they're God's bride. We looked at that. And so he's got these protecting angels around Israel in the Old Testament. Nothing got by them without God's permission. But God's angel saves individual Jews. We see that in the book of Daniel. You want to turn over there to Daniel, we'll look at a couple of them. These are familiar ones. You know, you know these from Sunday school and, and other times. But it's called an angel that does this. Daniel chapter 3, verse number 28. This is whenever Nebuchadnezzar's talking about it, about what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel chapter 3, verse number 28. The Bible says, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel, we know that's, that's, that one's Jesus Christ, and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's words and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Now Nebuchadnezzar, remember he said, the, the fourth is like uh, is like the Son of God. He says that in verse 25 of the same chapter. It, it is Jesus that shows up there. That is, that is God's angel in that instance. He's a messenger there of protection. They, they felt no hurt. They felt no fire. They didn't even smell like smoke whenever they come out of there. Why is that? God sent an angel, his angel, to, to go there and protect those he, three Hebrew guys in that instance. Uh, Daniel chapter 6 Daniel chapter 6, verse number 22. Well, Daniel 6, 21. Then said Daniel unto the king, in case you just say, well, that's Nebuchadnezzar's way of looking at it. Verse 21, then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, 
And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. So notice Daniel specifically says God sent an angel to close the lion's mouth so they wouldn't hurt him as protection. But notice what they saw in Daniel. They saw innocence in him. God saw innocence in Daniel. And he'd done no hurt. Could be why God sends those guardian angels around them children, like we were talking about. Why? They're innocent. They've done no hurt. God's angels save individual people. We've seen several passages now. I believe this is another job of the children's angels that we mentioned last week. That's in Matthew 18.10. I'll just read it to you again, but that's the reference if you want it. Matthew 18.10. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. God, God sends angels to protect people. You want guardian angels, that's, that's what you got. They, they, they guard God's people. They don't guard everybody. You can't be driving 90 miles an hour down the interstate, drunk and <laughs> crashing and everything, and say, I thought he had a guardian angel. Did he drop the ball? No. <laughs> that guy was leaving in direct disobedience to God. If he was lost, then why would God use one of his angels to go and protect a lost man? He can, if he so chooses. But every time I see a protecting angel in the Bible, it's over someone that's in obedience to God. They're, they're living for God. Daniel is standing up for God. He's not going to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar. He's, he's going to pray all the time anyway. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wouldn't bow down to the image. They face the furnace for it. God says, you stand up for me, I'll protect you. It, <laughs> he's got no problem with that. So we, we've got angels of protection. We've got these guardian angels. Also, we got turn to Luke chapter 22. We've got protection angels. We've got strengthening angels. Some angels protect. Some angels, they minister by strengthening. Luke chapter 22. Let's start in verse 39. Luke twenty two thirty nine, speaking of Jesus, it says, And he came out and went, and as he was wont, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he, when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Verse 43, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. So sometimes God will send angels to strengthen people. God the Father sent an angel to strengthen Jesus after Jesus was sweating great drops of blood here at Gethsemane. That's what's going on. Jesus is emotionally drained. He's exhausted here. He's just been pouring his heart out to God in prayer for a while now. And God says, listen, I, I, I hear you. Here's, here's a ministering angel. And he, he comes down to minister by giving strength back to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, that, that, that's just an isolated incident. God would do that. Of course he'd do that for Jesus. But would he do that for us? Turn to John chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 5. Not too many pages to you, right? I like this one. John chapter 5. 
Verse number 2. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Verse 4, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. So here we have something interesting. And by the way, modern versions don't have verse 4 in it. They, they leave out the explanation verse saying that an angel went down a certain season of the pool, troubled the water. Whosoever first was troubled, uh, first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. So at this point in time, we, we have an angel that's coming down on a first come, first serve, open-ended, annual strengthening session made possible by God. God says, listen, I, I want to bless somebody. I want to, give, I want to heal an impotent folk. I want, to, I want to encourage somebody. I want to strengthen them. If they're withered or halt or maimed or blind or whatever ailment they have, I'm going to send an angel down. You can set your watch by it. In a certain season, he's going to sit there and he's going to stir up the water. And the first one in that pool will get healed of whatever disease he has. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good deal. Wish we still had something like that going on. They'd be selling tickets and there'd be, we'd mess it up. We'd mess it up. But God chose an angel to do this. God says, listen, I'll strengthen whoever's willing to come to the pool. Whoever comes in first and they see that angel, they're sitting there waiting in anticipation for God to fulfill what he said was going to happen. That angel would stir up them waters and first one in. Who's that? The first one to show his faith. That's the one that God says, okay, you're healed. And God sent an angel to do that. That's a strengthening angel. Uh, turn to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. So remember, angels are just basically what God uses to do all sorts of different things with men. It's not, they don't just come down and talk to them, even though many of them did. But you can see them ministering to people. They're ministering spirits. We've seen them provide protection for God's people and for innocent people. We see them strengthening individuals, Jesus Christ being one, and, and all these withered and halt and blind and maimed people that are uh, waiting by the pool of Bethesda. But in 1 Kings chapter 19, let's see what he does for someone else, another man of God. 1 Kings 19 verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by the morrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for, uh, went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. 
So here we have Elijah right after the great victory on Mount Carmel, slaying the 450 prophets of Baal. He saw the fire come down. He, he saw his, his butchered oxen there get consumed by the fire. The water got lapped up and everything. He had a great victory. He hears Jezebel send a messenger out and say, you kill all my prophets, I'm going to kill you. So he runs off, he leaves his servant, and he gets underneath the juniper tree, and he starts crying out to God, saying, God, just let me die. God, I'm, I'm done, I'm done, I'm out, just let me die. He's had enough. Verse 5. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, he cried himself to sleep. As he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid down again. So God sees a depressed prophet who just did a great miracle, weeping and crying under a juniper tree, falls asleep, and God says, okay, listen, I need somebody. He gets one of his angels and says, go down there and say, just give him some food. Give him some comfort food. That's what he needs. So God sends him down there. The angel wakes him up, gives him some food, and Elijah gets up, eats it, drinks, and goes back to sleep. Verse 7. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time, God didn't forget him, and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. So not only did God send an angel to go and minister to a depressed prophet underneath the tree, he did it not once but twice, and the second time that angel gave him the food and the drink, Elijah was able to travel for 40 days under the power of the food that the angel gave him from the Lord. That's, that's pretty powerful food. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't eat stuff heavy enough to stick with me for 40 days, but when God sends an angel and he gives it to you, that can stick around and help you for a while. So you see, we, we see another ministering spirit here. We, we see God using an angel to feed somebody. So angels can be messengers. They can be ministers. But then we have our, our third one here. This one's a lot funner. More fun? Is, is funner? Funner's not a word. Is that one of the words that are not words that you don't like me using? Funner? Yes. Much more funner. There we go. Fixed it. More fun. Third M, how about a militant? Say, what, what's, a, what's a militant? A C, how about a combatant? Okay, combat. Combatant. He's a fighter. He's a warrior. You know what God will send angels down to do? Kill some people. <laughs> Brother Gip already stole some of my thunder in that. that uh, but yeah, God will send angels to kill people. If we get to see it uh, in, in detail, turn to Psalm chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78. A little Bible, Bible reference starting off point here in Psalm 78. Several times in the Bible, God sends angels to kill and to destroy. And this happens to those in disobedience to God. So we see comfort. We see uh, because the messengers, they, God sent messengers to good people and to bad people. The, but angels being ministers, ministering spirits, God sends those to people that are 
in fellowship with God, his people, innocent people, okay, the, the, the good guys. He sends them protection, sends them strength, sends them food. But then we have these militant angels. Psalm chapter 78, let's look at verse 43. Psalm 78, 43. 78, 43. How he had wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan. It's a recap of, of God performing the miracles to get Israel out of Egypt. Verse 44. And had turned their rivers into blood and their floods that they could not drink. He sent diverse sorts of flies among them which devoured them and frogs which destroyed them. He gave also their increase unto the caterpillar and their labor unto the locust. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamore trees with frost. He gave up their cattle also to the hail and their flocks to hot thunderbolts. He cast upon them the fierceness of his anger, wrath and indignation and troubled and trouble by sending evil angels among them. Uh-oh. We have evil angels. So the Bible said, isn't it? Evil angels. You say, oh, so these are wicked, ungodly angels that sit there and sin and, and lust and do all these vile, wicked things? No. It's not what evil means in the Bible. Remember what evil means? Our study on words? It means destruction. Destroy. That's what evil means. Evil means something that destroys. And, and we'll see it. As we run these references, you'll see them here. Turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 21. Let's see, God, God said he got Israel out of Egypt by using evil angels. That's the ones that killed the firstborn. But turn to 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 21. We're going to start in verse 14. I like this account. It gives us great detail here. This, this account's given two or three times in the Bible, but this one gives us the most description or the one I like the best. First Chronicles chapter 21, starting in verse number 14. It says, So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel, and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. So, so God's killing Israel with pestilence. He did this because David numbered Israel. Verse 15 how, how did that look, though? And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. So this is an evil angel. He's destroying. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld and he repented him of the evil. What's the evil? The destruction. The destroying. That's, that's what it is. They're synonymous. And he repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed, it is enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. So God commanded a pestilence. He sent an evil angel destroying with pestilence. And it says that he's, he's got a sword. And God told him to, to stay his hand. Verse number 16. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven having a drawn sword in his hand, stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel who were clothed in sackcloth fell upon their faces. 
So God's using pestilence to kill people in Jerusalem. David looks up and he sees an angel between earth and heaven with a sword drawn, making a big swath around Jerusalem, killing people with pestilence coming out of his sword. You see that? And David sees that and they fall on their face. Verse 17, And David said unto God, Is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I it is that have sinned and done evil indeed. But as for these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people, that they should be plagued. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. This is a multitasking angel we have here. Not only is he killing 70,000 by swathing pestilence over them, but when he stops and stays because God says to, David cries to God, God gives the message, an angel a message, an angel tells Gad, the seer, the prophet there, to go and tell David something. So the angel that was just a killing is now sending a message. Isn't that interesting? Uh, verse 19 And David went up, did we do 18? Yeah. Verse 19. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel, and his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. Because whenever an angel is killing 70,000 people, that doesn't stop the harvest. Just ask my dad. Verse 21. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David. And went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. <laughs> and I like this. They, they start arguing about prices. This, this is going on. The angel's killing people. And they, they go back and forth on the price of the threshing floor. Verse 22. Then David said to Ornan, grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it for me for the full price that the plague may be stayed from the people. Ornan said unto David, Take it to thee, and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give it thee, the oxen also for burnt offering, and the threshing instruments of wood, and the wheat for meat offering, I give it all. And King David said to Ornan, Nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price, for I will not take that which is thine for the lord, nor offer burnt offering without cost. So all these people are dying. The angel stopped. God's getting messages to a prophet to give to David. All this is going on. And they stop and they're like, okay, Ornan, I'm going to give you the full price for the threshing floor. How much do you want? No, 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 just, just take it, just take it. You can have the oxen too. <laughs> no, I'm paying the full price. <laughs> they, just, they stop and haggle in the middle of that. And I think that's hilarious. Verse 25. So David gave to Ornan for the place 600 shekels of gold by weight. David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord. And he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. And the Lord commanded the angel, and he put up his sword again into the sheath thereof. At that time when David saw that the Lord had answered him in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite, then he sacrificed there. For the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses made in the wilderness and the altar of the burnt offerings, were at the season in the high place of Gibeon. But David could not go before it to inquire of God, for he was afraid because of the sword of the angel of the Lord. So see, David could still see that angel of God, and he was afraid to get anywhere near that sword, so he couldn't go to the tabernacle that was already set up there. 
You say, what's that? That's, that's God using an evil angel to destroy those in disobedience. And God said, I will kill 70,000 people, David, because you decided to number Israel whenever I told you not to. God's kind of particular. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 19. 2 Kings chapter 19. You heard this one referenced before, but I want to give you the, give you the scripture here. Talk about angels, how they can come and kill and destroy and, and do these things. Basically, angels do whatever God tells them to do. That could be ministering, that could be messengering, that could be killing. It could be all sorts of things. They, they just obey God. 2 Kings 19.35 2 Kings 19.35 Well, do 34. For I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. God promising to, to protect David's people, the children of Israel there. Verse 35. It came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians an hundred fourscore and five thousand. That's 185,000. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. He killed them so bad, they, they were not just dead, they were dead corpses. So that's, that's how bad an angel can kill you. All right? But God killed that many for the sake of saving Israel. You say, does God still use angels to kill people? He does in the New Testament. Turn to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. What people don't realize is whenever they turn their back on God or whenever a Christian or anybody else decides to live in disobedience to God, it's not just God that they lose. It's the spiritual forces that are on God's side they give up as well. God provides all sorts of protection and provision and blessings and all this goodness to these people that decide to follow God and fear God and they want to live for God and people just say, no, I don't need that God. I don't need that God stuff in my life. You don't know what you're missing out on when you don't have God in your life. They have no clue. Acts chapter 12, look at verse 21. Acts 12, 21, And upon a set day Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. So Herod, he's sitting down, giving a speech on his throne, decked out in his king's clothes. And these people are, are so in awe of his silver tongue. And they're like, Oh, this is great. This, this is a God speaking to us. This, this can't be a man. Verse 23, And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of worms, and gave up the ghost. So God sent an angel to kill a silver-tongued king by being eaten alive by worms. That's, that's not a good way to go. I, I wouldn't enjoy that one. Here's, here's what you need to know about angels tonight. Angels are on God's side. He uses them for His purpose. Okay, When you're in obedience to God, God can and will, at times, send angels to protect you to minister to you, to strengthen you, and possibly even feed you. 
Okay, God, God will send these angels out to do things if he so chooses to do so, but he only does that to people that are in obedience to him. But when a person or a people group anger God by their disobedience to him, God can and has sent angels to kill with things like plagues, famines, pestilence, the sword, and even a bunch of worms. So it, it pays to be on God's side. Okay, these, these angels, they, they just... They're good soldiers. They, they do what they're told, whether they're told to go and minister, whether they're told to go and kill. Hey, feed this guy over here, make him a cake. Uh, all right, provide over here, kill over here, pestilence over here. They just, they just do what they're told. And God sends them out. And I, I, I like that. And I find it interesting. We didn't have time tonight. But in Numbers chapter 22, God sends an angel to Balaam. And Balaam can't see the angel, but his donkey can. And God sends that angel down there. And it says, the Bible says that that angel would have killed Balaam if it hadn't been for his donkey turning him out of the way. That's Numbers chapter 22 if you want to read that. But there's a good, good encounter of God using an angel sent there to destroy to get his attention. That's Numbers 22. But we're going to stop there tonight.